Welcome to another episode of the Total BS Podcast. Justin, what's going on, man? Man, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's a good day today. <laughs> Woo! Oh my it's a God. Good day. You guys love to thrive in other people's misery. We might as well go, go ahead and get into it because <laughs> this is going to be an episode I don't think you guys are going to want to miss. Let's do it. Full disclosure, uh, I am already cranky today just because of the fact that I'm on a, like a liquid diet for, for, pers- for reasons why I won't get into, but I am living on apple juice and Gatorade. So I am not in the best mood. Mm. And so the fact that we have to talk about what we're about to talk about, man, I, I just feel like something good's not going to come out of this right now. <laughs> Is it because of me being on the other side? or I hate Laker fans so much, <laughs> so much. It's like you would think that a franchise that has won 16, 16 NBA championships would not be as petty as to worry about a team that hasn't even gotten to the Western Conference Finals in its history. But oh my gosh, yesterday, and deservedly so, let's just say that clear, Kawhi and the Clippers deserve to be dragged. But it's just the Laker fandom. It's like they had this inferiority complex for no reason. There is no reason to have an inferiority complex. I don't care who was picking the Clippers to beat the Mm -hmm. Lakers and and go to the finals. But damn it, if all hell doesn't break loose and everybody, everybody that wears that purple and gold BS (laughs) had to just put their two cents out there and say, oh, well, this, and I don't ever want to hear about Kawhi and LeBron, and I don't want to hear blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, just shut the hell up. (laughs) I, I will tell you where it comes from, though, Saul. And tell, you're absolutely you're absolutely right when you say that Lakers fans just love feeling oppressed for some reason. They they love the feeling of like, oh, we're the underdogs and everyone's against us. Nobody wants but, to see but us they thrive. Don't. But they don't. They like the feeling of being the underdog until they win, and then they're like, "Oh, you should have never doubted us. We're the best then, of all and, time." And we're, and and we're, pa- and we're pounding our chest. Like, no, what? I get it. I get it. Lakers fan base. It's the same as the Dallas Cowboys. It's the same as the New York Yankees. We love feeling oppressed until it, when we win, and then we say, "Yeah, you're right. You never should have doubted us." But I'm I'm here to tell you why the Clippers were the center of. NBA roasting. Like I haven't seen an NBA team get roasted like that since maybe the Warriors when they blew the 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals. And you were afraid the other day. And you were saying the other day, oh, I can't believe nobody's going after Kawhi and blah, blah, blah. On Sunday when they lost, of course, it was in the middle of NFL football. And Mm -hmm. I told you, I was like, believe me, if they lose on Tuesday, they will get drug all over this country and what happened. Sure. No, and and that's what happened. But the reason why the Clippers got it so bad from Lakers fans is because the moment the Lakers signed AD, there was a moment of, wow, we're going to win the NBA championship. The Lakers are actually going to compete for an NBA title. Can they somehow lure 
Kawhi Leonard because this member Kawhi was a free agent at the sure, time. Yeah. Could they somehow pull off the the unthinkable, getting a big three, kind of like well, what you saw in in Miami with D Wade, uh, uh, Chris Bosh, and LeBron? So then Kawhi Leonard goes to the L.A. Clippers, and then he has the Clippers trade away their entire future. They got rid of five future first-round draft picks and a, lot, a few pieces of their young core, including Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I think is a really good player, all for Paul George. And then the second Kawhi Leonard arrives in L.A., he's already putting out New Balance commercials saying, this is Kawhi, this is his city. Uh, pretty much already making him, hey, this is the king of L.A. This is the guy that's going to be running basketball in L.A. And there was just this – it's all – you sit here and laugh, but there was so much chest pounding by the L.A. Clippers. They acted like a dynasty without having won anything, and it was just so annoying. LeBron and they, hasn't and won they, anything in L.A., and he's doing the same thing. What's the difference? What do you mean he's doing the same thing? He's, uh, are you kidding me? He's the king. He's the anointed one. He but he's always been the king. Okay, but he comes to LA and he's still got the same fanfare. He's still got all those commercials. He's the one that's supposed to lead LA to the championship. As soon as you guys got LeBron, it was the same exact thing. It's not any different. It's just it got heightened because Kawhi got Paul George. Just like it got heightened once you guys got AD and you, he had a bona fide mm -hmm. Other superstar to help. There's no difference. And also, let's go back to what you just said, too. The way you just phrased it, uh, it, it was just in a way that was like, what? Like, what? No, no. It's, it's not even, that's why I started laughing because I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't, I can't just carry on. Continue on with your okay. point. Just and then you add in the pieces. Oh, Montrez Harrell. They got Lou Williams. They have two players. And at the time, we didn't know Montrezl Harrell was going to be a, a sixth man of the year. But you have two guys who have won sixth men of the year in their time as NBA players. You have Ivica Zubats, who's this blossoming big man who the Lakers got rid of just for a bag of chips. And the Clippers made a lot of moves to put themselves in position to win the championship. What did we always talk about as soon as the NBA season started? LeBron James, AD, that might be the best duo in basketball but do they have the depth the clippers they have the one-two punch of Kawhi leonard and paul george but the roster just seemed a little deeper and so all year long we've always heard it's going to come down to the clippers and the lakers well the lakers held up their end of the deal they got to the western conference finals and they were waiting for them and the clippers blew a 3-1 lead and not in Listen, I know the Denver Nuggets, they're a solid young team. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch in, in years to come. And a, I, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, we, we shouldn't really discredit the Nuggets in this situation. They're very talented. They're really good. Uh, not really. The L.A. Clippers had a double-digit lead in the last three games of, of the series. The Clippers had so many opportunities to close these guys away. I view this more as the Clippers choking away this series than the Nuggets rallying back and winning it. In back-to-back -back years, the Phoenix Suns lost to the Houston Rockets when they had a lead in the series. 
Okay, back in 95, 96, or 94, 95, okay? This is on the heels of going to the NBA championship and losing to Michael Jordan and the Bulls, okay? And there's just some teams that you just match up with that just have your number. There's also just some teams that get into a rhythm in the playoffs, and there's nothing you can do about it. Last night, in that fourth quarter and midway through the third quarter, once, once L.A. jumped out to that seven-point lead right after halftime, it was essentially over because it was the Denver Nuggets show after that. I mean, I, Jokic was unbelievable in the way he was distributing the ball. And, I mean, that dude Murray, Jamal Murray, is just on another level right now. He's yeah. playing outside of his mind. Whereas contrary to the two series that the Lakers played, okay, with Damian Lillard and also with James Harden, okay, as the two feature guys, right? Those two dudes just did not even show up. Damian Lillard had an okay series in game one, and then after that he kind of vanished and he was banged up and whatever. James Harden has no excuse. He's a sun devil, so of course he's going to fade away <laughs> when it counts because that's what they do. That's what he does. Like when the, when, the, when, the, when the rubber meets the road, James Harden disappears, and so does Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, man, I'm so hyped up, man. I'm, I'm fumbling over so my words. Man. Uh, yo, so, so, you know, like, like I get – I get the idea and and the idea that the, the Clippers choked, which they absolutely did. But you do have to give the Nuggets credit because they didn't just do it to the L.A. Clippers. They did it in the previous round against the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, which is a pretty good tandem themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so they found a way to win. They came back and they found – and this is where Doc Rivers gets fired. His matchups were trash the entire series – the way they were they were defending the pick and roll and the two man game between Murray and Jokic was just an absolute travesty on coaching a, a basketball game. It well, was and, just terrible. Well, and a part of me also thinks too that I don't think Doc Rivers understood like how good of a passer Nikola Jokic was because every single time they would send a double team on him, it just seemed like Nikola Jokic always found a way to get one person wide open and get a good look. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then in addition to that. The team as a whole, I will say the Clippers play pretty good man-to-man -man defense, okay? They do trash team defense. So when their man cuts to the basket and, and Jocic is cutting to the hoop, they just completely lose all sense of where they're supposed to be at on the floor. There's no help side defense. There's no, you know, uh, you know, flash and recovery. It's just, oh, you, it's one-on-one, -on -one, and then this guy beats me. I'm going to go help him and leave my man wide open underneath the basket. It's just... It was just so ridiculously bad on the Clippers' behalf. And once the Nuggets found that recipe, they just kept cooking with it the whole time over and over and over and over again. And now mm -hmm. Kawhi and uh, Paul George, uh, what are we calling them, Pandemic P? It sure the hell hasn't been playoff P since 2013 when this mm -hmm. dude showed up against the LeBron and the Heat and had a great series and then just disappeared in Game 7. And since he's get disappeared in Game 7 – Hey, there's a freaking there's a milk carton with his face on it. They put the APB out from the FBI trying to find my man because he's been gone since. I tell you what, playoff P, pandemic P, and Patrick Beverly. Those are the two guys that I just absolutely laugh at. Yeah, but you Patrick can't Beverly, blame Patrick Beverly. <laughs> No, you cannot blame Patrick Beverly because he was never viewed as that guy that was going no, to get the Clippers yeah. in, into this position. But the, the issue that I have with Paul George, and I am so thankful that people are just absolutely dragging him, which, by the way, 
he should give his hairline to LeBron James. He doesn't deserve that hairline. Le- Paul George has a very crispy hairline. LeBron's very struggling right, right now. They need a flip-flop because Paul George does not deserve that hair. Anyways, back to the point. I saw I saw that on Twitter, by the way, and I thought that was just so great. R- roasting Paul George's hairline. He, he has a great hairline, and people were like making fun of him for it. No, nothing Anyways, is safe on NBA Twitter. Nothing is safe. The, the thing <laughs> that bothers me the most was they asked Paul George about this colossal disappointment. And, you know, he said, well, internally, we never felt that it was championship or bust this season. I went back and saw the introductory press conference of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Remember my, remember my intro that of, of this podcast where I'm like, man, I'm just firing up the beer today. That was Steve Ballmer, the owner of the LA Clippers, just getting so excited and amped up because they just signed two big-time superstars for their team, and it was looking like they were going to compete with the LA Lakers for the championships. And then Ballmer says, with Paul and Kawhi, we're going to win a lot of games this year, man. We're going to win some games. And when Kawhi won the when the NBA Finals, he called the, the trophy the Larry OB. I called it the Lawrence O'Brien. But around here, it's all about the Larry OB. And from that moment on, when the owner of the LA Clippers said in the introductory press conference that it's all about the Larry OB, you've already set the bar for winning a championship and to hear your star player say it wasn't championship or bust this year. That's where I sit there and say, and I'm sorry, I know this is a family friendly program, but get the fuck out of here because I'm not trying to listen to that. That <laughs> hey, is complete, utter bullshit. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. But again, again, I go back to this, Justin, and this is the only reason why I'm even bothered by this at all <laughs> is why does this get under your skin so much? Why do the Clippers affect you so greatly? especially during this series, like we had so many talks about this, about what would happen if this happened. And it just is like Laker nation feels this hatred for the Clippers, which I get if they were like a legit rival, like in the same, same stadium, you know, or same, uh, same arena. Like if they had like four or five championships, especially in the last couple years or 10 years or whatever, like I would totally understand the hatred, but they haven't meant shit to LA the entire time they've been there since they moved from San Diego and still Lakers fans. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like when your girl's like, uh, yeah, this is my brother. She's, he's going to stay with me. And it's the first time you've ever met her brother. And he comes in and he's just like, he's just like in the way, you know, he's just kind of in the way, right? He's just, you you can't walk around the house naked now because he's there, you know, like you can't go do the things that you kind of want to do around the house because he's there. He's not a problem. He's not really a a, a situation I need to worry about. I don't have to worry about like what he's going to do in the house. He's just, you know, just a nuisance. And that's what the Clippers are to you guys. They're just a little nuisance. And the fact that you guys let these guys get under your skin, God help you if they win the championship next year, you guys are going to be so (laughs) salty. And, oh, and let's not forget this. God help you if you lose to the Nuggets too, because you thought the Clippers were going to get dragged Oh, oh, LeBron will never live that down. So I just say, be wary of what you say right now, because if it happens, oh, man, it won't be pretty. Now, I will say this. The Lakers should be the favorite. They should win the championship pretty easily, um, you would think. 
But again, man, I, I I doubted the the Nuggets in the first series. I doubted them in the second series when they went down three one. You know, uh, we'll see what happens. We shall see. They have a very impressive young team. Nikola Jokic. I'm on Jalen Rose's bandwagon. I kind of have a man crush on Nikola Jokic. Like his game and the way he plays, it's just it's so entertaining. You know, seeing a seven footer as big as him looking very uncomfortable. Like when he runs down the court, it's not the smoothest, but he finds a way to make it work. It's that old man game, baby. That old man game. It just, it, just, it works so great. So, um, you know, I'm thinking the Nuggets, maybe they're going to be a little bit bogged down because they haven't really been in this position before. Um, I mean, they used a lot of their energy in those games against the LA Clippers, which was a, a very tough battle. It doesn't get easier because now you got to play the top seed, the Lakers, LeBron James, who's been there many, many times before he's rested. Anthony Davis is going to be a tough bout. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what to expect out of this series, but it's, it's going to be pretty interesting. Now the Yo- other series, Yo, sorry, Jokic, that's going to go seven games. Jokic's kryptonite has always been bigs that are athletic. So Anthony Davis is a matchup problem for Jokic because you got to match up with them in several different levels. Um, on both ends. So that's going to be a little bit of an issue than it was, you know, the Clippers didn't really have somebody like that. You know, they don't have yeah. uh, somebody that had that length. You know, Montrez Harrell was about as close as you could get, and he was largely ineffective in that series. So how do you match up with uh, AD and LeBron now um, if you're the Nuggets? And obviously it's going to be by committee. It's not going to be – definitely isn't going to be Jamal Murray. But I will say this. Jamal Murray's hot right now has been hotter than anybody else's hot so far in this bubble in the playoffs. So if he can yeah. keep it going, they got a chance for sure. Yeah. But again, it's it's been a it's been a fascinating bubble and playoff series to watch. And yes, to go to your point, this Eastern Conference series, man, if if all seven games and hopefully we get seven games of this are like game one, we're in for a super treat because that was a fantastic ball game between the Celtics and the Heat last night. Talk about a roller coaster of emotions if you're fans of both teams because the as my dog starts barking. Right. Um anyways, um no so the Celtics get out to this what 14 point lead and it was looking like okay, Boston was going to run away with game 1. This was going to be, you know, one of those types of games where they both feel each other out but Boston just has a little bit more. And then the way Miami fought back to get a two-point lead at halftime. And the next thing you know, the Celtics are back up by double digits again, and it's just this this game of runs. But in the end, it was the Miami role players. One, you had Jimmy uh, Butler making the the big-time shot. That three-pointer in the corner was was absolutely awesome. But then with, I think think it was in regulation, with just over a minute left, that three-pointer by Tyler Hero, as soon as he shot that ball, I said, there's no way that's going in. He's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Those shots don't work for rookies in the playoffs. And then it dropped. Duncan Robinson is so comfortable from three-point range. And, I, and then I started to look back at Miami during these whole playoffs. They've only lost one game Yeah, during this whole playoffs. And they're, they're now in the conference finals. They're, they're legit. They're forced to be reckoned with. They absolutely are. And the great thing about them is their chemistry is very evident all the way across the board. You have guys that that are physical down low. They're a tough team, and I think that they take on that personality of, of Jimmy Buckets. Um, he, he, is, he is taking his game to another level, and I think this is the level that people thought they were going to get in Philadelphia. 
I think this is the level that people thought they were going to get when he went, you know, when he was kind of wrapping it up in Chicago. I think people were waiting for this and now they're seeing it. And hey, Jimmy Butler came to the bubble on a mission. That dude stayed in his hotel room annoying hotel staff and dribbling the ball up and down the uh, up and down the floor and uh getting in trouble for doing workouts in his room you know like that was at the beginning of the bubble like he is a man on a mission and this heat team man you look at them you're like okay well you know there's nothing special but man they are good they can shoot from the outside they can hurt you down low and then they have a guy that can score at every single level which is jimmy butler and that makes for a very very difficult series and then on top of that goran Dragic is a very good guard and he is very he's developed so much since his Phoenix Suns days um it's it's pretty nice to see and that's a team oh man they're going to be scary uh you know Boston is going to have to come with it and there's one guy in particular for Boston that really needs to step up that's Mr. Kemba Walker and he said it himself yesterday he 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 went playoff p on us but I will give him I will give him the benefit of the doubt because that man has not been to the playoffs as many times as Paul George and so I expect Kemba Walker to figure it out cuz that's just in his DNA. We saw it in college. Um, it, it, it takes a little while when you miss the playoffs for so many years when you're stuck in purgatory in Charlotte. So mm-hmm. hopefully that, that that guy can figure it out and it'll make it make a difference. Unfortunately, we saw it in college. Yeah. Especially uh, at the Elite Eight level. Uh, um, RIP Arizona. Oh, man. But I, I do agree that Kemba Walker is almost like the X factor because Jason Tatum, you know what you're going to get out of him. Even though he got swatted at the rim by Bam Adebayo, which clutch, w- clutch. Was the, which was the game decider right yep. there. Uh, Jason Tatum is is cut different than a lot yeah. of NBA players, and I think he, he's going to bounce back. Uh, Jalen Brown will also be fine, but man, I I still can't get over this Heat team. Like we we were talking about all these players, and we didn't even mention Bam Adebayo and his big time block until just now. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. Those two together have been with each other for a long, long time. And we've doubted them many times, and they have always found a way to stay relevant in the NBA. So yeah. it's it's fantastic. For sure. No, great job by that team. Uh, game one, uh, you know, obviously went their way. We'll see what game two uh, holds on Thursday. So we'll see. But um, outside of that, uh, let's quickly go over to the NFL. Uh, you know, we, we already recapped. And I will say this. Justin, congratulations on winning in fantasy football in week one. Um, I took the I took the L uh, mainly because uh, Denver's defense or the Titans' defense gave uh, Bunker some points, some much needed points. And but I scored the third most points in fantasy this week, and I still lost because I I played <laughs> against the number two guy, which just 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 my luck. So uh, and we'll give a full recap next week. Uh, in addition to that, but let's let's move on to this week's games. We got a lot of key in matchups, and actually, starting off this week, and I'm actually kind of excited for this tomorrow is the week one matchup between the Cincinnati Bagels and the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> this game means a lot to especially the Browns if they want to try and recover from what their week one ass whooping they got at the hands of the Ravens. Who do you got? What are you looking for? Oh my God, Joe Burrow. <laughs> and the Cincinnati Bengals, I know I, I want the Bengals to win. And I do think uh, they will somehow find a way to pull this off. I, I don't know how it's going to be done, but Joe Burrow looked very impressive in his NFL debut. And I think it's uh, it bodes well. And it, it's definitely going to be a bright, bright future uh, for Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield. 
did he, did he even have a touchdown last week? Uh, he had one touchdown to Joe. One touchdown. In the background. Yep. One touchdown and six commercials. And 89,000 commercials. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he was looking like uh, the the quarantine Baker Mayfield. You know where they, <laughs> they put his face on like a little kid's body? That's how Baker Mayfield played last week. So I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. I am, I'm actually going to go with the Browns. Um, I don't, I'm not a believer in the Browns, but I do think that um, typically when you're a rookie and you come out and you, you play the way you did against a very good defense in the San Diego Chargers, teams are going to find certain things that you liked to go to. And so they're going to try and take advantage of that. And so yeah. I wonder if Joe Burrow is going to be able to adjust to the adjustments to him. And so mm-hmm. with that, I think that the, the Browns are going to have an edge, plus they're playing at home. So I'm going to give the edge to the Browns. Giants and Bears, who you got? Free Nick Foles. Free Nick Foles. I know Mitch had a solid second half in last week's game, and they rallied back. Um, I got to go with the Bears at home. I'll, I'll give Mitchell Trubisky another week. Okay. Yeah, I actually think the Bears are going to take this one at home as well. Uh, I like Daniel Jones, actually. Watching him on Monday Night Football against the Steelers, I like the way the ball was coming out of his hand. Um, he's got a pretty nice arm. However, Eli Manning-esque. Yeah, let's just be real. And, uh, yeah, he, he he definitely muffed that game up on Monday night when they had, they had it in their hands and they just let it slip out and mm-hmm. the Steelers took advantage of it. So I got the Bears as well. Uh, Falcons-Cowboys, home opener for Dallas. Man, um, tough loss for the Cowboys last week. Um, I I know there was a a missed call. It was they were supposed to be an unsportsmanlike penalty on the Cowboys when they uh, slapped Jared Goff in the face, um, and they kind of got karma towards the end of the game when Michael Gallup was called for an offensive passing interference. Um, I think the the referees down the stretch really screwed the Cowboys. Uh, Matt Ryan looked fucking damn impressive uh, last week. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be a tough game. So you said the Cowboys. Okay. All right. I was like, whoa, what did you just say? You said Matt Ryan. He looked very impressive. Sorry. I got the Cowboys, but it's going to be a tough game. I think the Falcons come out swinging. Okay. All right. So you got the Cowboys. I have the Falcons pulling the upset. Uh, Hey, I'm sorry, but Matt Ryan is going to throw for another 500 yards against that defense. I'm just (laughs) saying it. Uh, Matt Ryan looked really good last week. Calvin Ridley looks like he's starting to develop as a a true number one receiver opposite, obviously of Julio Jones. I know this, but he's, he's a very good receiver. And if you got double one, you can't double the other. So, um, I actually look for Atlanta to go into Jerry world and make the upset lions at Packers, the Packers home opener. Thank God. I had Deandre Swift on my bench last week in fantasy because, Oh, that debacle towards the end of the game. I felt so bad for him, though. Just right there. Just right in his hands. Uh, the Lions, they looked okay, but the Packers, they're in Lambeau. Um, even though home field advantage doesn't really mean anything in the NFL this year, um, I'm going to go with the Packers. I, too, will go with the Packers. I like um, you know, watching them last week against the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's starting to really get a hold of this offense and, and figure out where the little nuances are. And I just I don't have any impression that that's going to fall apart. I think it's only going to get better, especially when you're in your second year um, under that head coach. And so I think the the Aaron Rodgers experiment will continue to to progress and be and thrive. So we'll see um, 
you know, what that result comes. Uh, Jaguars, Titans in Tennessee after Tennessee wins. And the Jag- Jaguars are 1-0 as well. I think this is going to be an ugly game. Um, it's really going to be a difficult task to take down Chris Henry. He's such a monster, and I just don't see anybody on that Jaguars defense being able to contain him consistently uh, throughout the game. So I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. You mean Derrick Henry, right? Yeah, Chris Henry played at the University of Arizona, was a second-round pick, and played for the Titans for a little for a little bit. So I always kind of get them mixed up. But Derrick Henry, whew, a monster back. It's it's going to be a physical, brutal game, but I think the Tennessee wins handily. Yeah, I think I think there's no way they're going to stop Derrick Henry. Uh, and Tannehill looked okay, uh, but again, they were good enough to win. And hopefully, Stephen Guskowski won't miss as many field goals as he missed the other night. I think he missed three. Uh, that's typically <laughs> that's the first time in his year, uh, his career, he's ever done that. He was always solid for New England, so hopefully that doesn't happen uh, this time around. But uh, moving on, Vikings Colts in Indianapolis. This is in Indianapolis. Um, and I know exactly what's going to happen. So I'm going to predict it for you. I'm going to tell you exactly how this game is going to go. The Indianapolis Colts will have a one possession lead with less than five minutes in the fourth quarter. Then the other team will find a way to score. So th- this being the Vikings. Then the Vikings will retake the lead. Phillip Rivers will have an opportunity to lead the Colts down the field for a game-winning drive only to either get sacked and fumbled or throw an interception. That's exactly how it's going to happen because it pretty much happened last week, and he's done it his entire career with the L.A. Chargers, formerly San Diego. So the Colts, I think they battle, but it's going to be, once again, another Phillip Rivers letdown. I'm going to lead course to you right now. Not so fast. Not so fast, my friend. I think we're forgetting about the other quarterback for the other team and Mr. Kirk Cousins and how he's not exactly Mr. Clutch either. And so I would I would probably say the same scenario could easily play out for that gentleman against the Colts. And so you're taking the Colts or you're taking the Vikings. I take the Vikings. I'm, t- I'm taking the Colts. Okay. I think uh, you know, you know, Philip Rivers has 17, and after this game and they win, he's gonna have number 18. Let's see. Uh, Bills Dolphins in Miami. I got to go with the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen, very athletic, a little erratic at times. Um, I think he tones it down a little bit on the road, and I think the Bills just get it done. They have a really tough defense. I don't see Miami moving the ball. No, they don't. They need to stop with this whole Ryan Fitzpatrick stuff. Just go ahead and put two in. Let him learn on the on the on the job, and just move on. I'm yeah. I'm done with these. I'm done with teams that are that put mediocre quarterbacks just because they think that the rookie needs to learn. Like you might as well throw the dude into the fire. That's the best way to learn, in my opinion. Uh, 49ers at the Jets. 49ers are going to absolutely wax the Jets this week. They're playing a little bit pissed off because they know uh, they should have won that season opener against the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm not saying anything bad about the Cardinals. I just think the 49ers felt like they could have done a lot better in that game. Jimmy Garoppolo could have played a lot better. Um, I think the 49ers get it done. Same. I won't even go into why. It's just the Jets. The Jets are going to the Jets are going to Jets. That's just how it is. Rams at Eagles. Philly's defense 
still looks like Swiss cheese. I don't trust them after that game against the Washington football team. So I got the Rams on the road. It's 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 a tough environment if you're playing in Philadelphia when there's fans. When there's no fans, I don't think you have such a home field advantage anymore. And for that reason, I will go also with the Los Angeles Rams. Broncos at the Steelers. Mm, this is really tough. But Big Ben looked impressive for a guy that's had like both knee replacements and is had everything done to him. He still looks like a quality NFL quarterback. So I'm going to go with the Steelers. You know, I, I think, you know, big Ben, it took a little bit to, to figure it out. And he did. It took him. I, she's probably about two quarters to figure it out on Monday night football against the giants. And he did. And then, you know, uh, James Connor, let's see if he comes back from injury, but the Steelers are just, they kept repeating this. Kirk Herbstreit kept repeating continuity and chemistry within a program can really make a difference. And that's what the Steelers have had in abundance over the last, you know, couple decades. And for that reason, I will go with the Steelers in this game against the Broncos and their very young quarterback. Uh, Panthers at Bucks. I will start this one off, Justin. Ooh. Panthers at Buccaneers. I think that the Tom train finally gets back on the rails and they figure it out. I just don't believe the Panthers are going to be a very good team this year. People are going to load the box against Christian McCaffrey, and that's what the Raiders tried to do. And the Raiders don't have anywhere near the personnel on defense. Actually, they do on defense. Let me take that back. Um, but offensively, the Buccaneers can score better than the Raiders can. And for that reason, I think I'm taking Tampa Bay in the books. But this is why McCaffrey is one of the highest paid backs in the NFL right now. Because he can do a little bit of everything. He's so versatile, you can utilize him in the passing game. This is the reason why that hired Matt Rule from Baylor. The offense that he ran at Baylor is perfect for getting running backs into open space. So you got to be able to utilize Christian McCaffrey in that way. If you don't, it's going to be a long game. So Teddy Bridgewater has got to be able to utilize his arm, which he is. I think he's a, a, a good passer. He showed it in New Orleans when he was a substitute for Drew Brees, but I, does Carolina have enough playmakers to combat whatever Tampa Bay is going to throw at them? I agree with you. So I think this weekend is all about Tom Brady. Um, I think Leonard Fournette will also um, get some touches and shine a little bit. And I also think Gronkowski will have a better game too. He only had two catches for 11 yards. That, that's not the Rob Gronkowski that we know. I know he was all uh, he was retired for a year and now he's coming back. So he's still trying to get into game shape and preseason wasn't there. So you didn't have that element to, to get there. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think this is all about the Tampa Bay bucks this week. Okay. All right. That was a long way to go to get to the Tampa Bay bucks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this uh, next one won't be long winded. Oh, are you sure about that? Because we got a, a battle of undefeated in, in, in LA. <laughs> in la when the chargers take on the chiefs one and oh oh i I was talking i was looking at another game i I was completely off um i thought we were talking about your team versus the washington football team but we'll talk about that in just a little bit the chiefs and the chargers oh man this is tough Saul, why do you got to put me in a tough spot i didn't how, how, didn't how, how true is your heart right now <laughs> I didn't to be honest, going going up against the Chiefs, I didn't really like the way the Chargers looked last week against the Bengals. 
So this is going to be a very tough game. Um, home field advantage doesn't count even in a normal season with the LA Chargers. So in LA, I gotta say I'm going with Patrick Mahomes and the boys. I think the Chiefs get it done. Yeah, you know the the Chiefs didn't look particularly sharp last week either in their opener. But again, I said it. It looked more sharp than the Chargers. Yeah, for sure on offense. You yeah, know, but like overall, like again, week one to me was very much a preseason kind of week. You know, you, you kind of get your feet under you, you. You you get used to hitting people again and tackling and stuff like that. And I think a lot of these teams learned a lot about themselves. And so this week, I think you're going to see different forms of these teams as we move forward. And I think the Chiefs are going to find their legs. You're playing inside a dome. It's in California. Uh, you know, SoFi Stadium is, is, is just legit. Uh, and I like Tyreek Hill on turf. So why not? That's a good I point. Th- I think I would go with the, uh, the Chiefs as well. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Ravens and Texans. Man, this is tough. Be, much like last week, you're starting to see two great quarterbacks enter the prime of the career when we watch the Texans and the Chiefs. You saw Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Now you have another matchup where Lamar Jackson is going up against Deshaun Watson. The Ravens just have a better team, in my opinion. Like you said, Saul, the Chiefs didn't look all that sharp, but they were in control for a good majority of the game and and they won pretty handedly. I thought Um, with the Ravens, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the AFC championship this year, tough defense. Lamar Jackson is special. Uh, I got the Ravens. It's going to be a close one. Um, I I do think the Texans will battle, but I got the Ravens winning by let's say seven to 10 points. I think the Ravens are the best team in the NFL and will be the best team in the NFL this year for two reasons. Number one, you have Lamar Jackson who can do it all. And number two, that defense is legit. And for those reasons, I think that I don't think there's going to be a team all year that can compete with the Ravens outside of the Chiefs. And I think that the Ravens are going to put on a display on Sunday afternoon against those Texans because they got pass rushers. What happens when if you overplay Lamar Jackson, you're going to get roasted. So you're going to have to have a spy. And there's not one spy in this league that can keep up with Lamar Jackson. I don't care who it is. So Can I also add another thing, Saul? Sure, go ahead. Lamar, Lamar Jackson's a running quarterback, huh? While that is true, and he will kill you with his legs, last week against the Browns, 20-25 passing, 275 for three touchdowns. He can throw it. He showed that last year, like too. like more than a running quarterback to me. Absolutely, absolutely. So I got the Ravens killing the Texans um, in Houston. Patriots at Seahawks. Another battle of undefeateds. Man, New England against the Seattle Seahawks. Ooh, man, this is is probably going to be one of the closest matchups that we see this week. I agree. But Russ looked so impressive last week. And it seems like it doesn't matter who's in that wide receiver core. Russell Wilson is always going to find a way to perform well. I think the New England Patriots will be just fine with Cam Newton at quarterback, but I'm going to go and pick the Seattle Seahawks in this one. I think this is going to be a bloodbath. I think this is going to be like one of those like 13 to 16 kind of games where it's just, you know, any if a team has multiple turnovers, they're going to lose. But I just these these teams are very fundamentally sound across on both sides of the ball. I just don't see 
how either side is going to give in. They're both hard-headed. They're both stingent uh, defenses. I um, I think I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks, but only because they're at home. If they were playing on the road, I would be taking the Patriots. But because they are in, in Seattle, I will take the Seahawks. Uh, and then we have the Washington football team going across the country to play the Arizona Cardinals. Give me the Cardinals, man, all day. Kyler Murray looks so great. One of the touchdowns, if you look at it from uh, behind the line of scrimmage, so Kyler Murray's back is towards you, the one the one running touchdown that he had, the way he was able to shift gears during that whole sequence was just so impressive. He's, he's so fun to watch. Uh, the Cardinals, I think that game was a statement victory, even though the 49ers didn't play their best football. But the Cardinals at home against the Washington football team, I got the Cardinals winning by a couple touchdowns. Yeah, same. Um, you, you said it all when you said it. I think the Cardinals offense is only going to get better as the season goes along. Yeah. Um, because they definitely didn't get very many people involved last week besides DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake. So I think you can look forward to that to change. And Chase Edmonds had actually a pretty sneaky game too. But Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, um, those are guys that were kind of MIA last week. I look for them to come back strong and have a good week. And then finally, on Monday Night Football, we finally get to see the unveiling of the Death Star <laughs> in Vegas as the, the Las Vegas Raiders make their home debut against the New Orleans Saints. I actually think that uh, the Saints are going to come in and they're going to come in with their hair on fire. But ultimately, I just I I'm kind of liking this Raiders team. I like what Josh Jacobs is bringing to the to the to the backfield, or Jonathan Jacobs is bringing to the backfield. I like what Gruden's doing with his team. Um, I'm actually going to take the Raiders at home, and I know Justin is actually taking the Saints on the road. So um, that is our week two picks in the NFL, and that is it for us at the Total BS Podcast. We appreciate you guys for joining us, and we'll see you on Sunday. Peace. Spit your best 16 if you must, you not whack, you just sound whack rapping after us.